Welcome to the DNA Podcast, your go-to source for nerd knowledge in the 21st century. I'm your host, Dee Pugh, and I am joined today with uh, my good, good friend and co-conspirator in all things nerdy, uh, Mr. Kevin Bobbins. Oh, me. Uh, awesome. Yes. Uh, the wonderful, the adorable, the amazing uh, Miss Kate, as well as making his umpteenth billion return. Uh, I think I have to really start paying you now. And I don't know if he's told you about this, but he is going on the uh, Galactic Star Cruiser, Mr. David Perry. Uh, hey, ladies have I mentioned gentlemen. that I'm going to Galactic Star Cruiser next right. week? We just talked about week, the Galactic Star Cruiser thing yes. first. Yes. Yeah, next week. Next week. Uh, oh, how many weeks? How long? How many weeks? Yeah. I will be in Disney World one week from today. Oh, so you is next. Uh, oh, yes. oh, my God. Yes. I take so many pictures. I want to see yeah. everything. I've been working on costumes for the last for the last few days. So, yeah. Hopefully no. we'll have that all done by then. Nothing but time on your hands. Oh my God. I'm so jealous. Ah, <laughs> I'm actually, I kid you not. This, I guess we'll just kind of like ease into the, what have you been up to? Um, but before we do that, because I do want to talk about this tonight's episode is um, an episode I wanted to do. I wanted to redo it because it was actually the first episode we ever did, uh, which was almost two years ago now. Uh, we're, so September, October. Yeah. So two months, it would be two years we've, since we've been, I've been doing this podcast. So the, my very first episode was on Dungeons and Dragons uh, because of this amazing trailer that has come out. I figured we do another episode and I have a well-rounded cast here tonight. Uh, we have people who are very new to D and D and we have some veteran players. So we're going to get into that. Uh, Read but- old. He just <laughs> called us. He just called me old. People. I, well, I have 25 years of D and D. I have 25 years. Generation. Uh, you're still yeah. a child. <laughs> I know I'm a child, but still. <laughs> um, but yes, before we get into that, let's talk about what we always do first. What have you been up to? And David, I, we know you're going on the, the Galactic Star Cruiser. So, you know, how excited <laughs> are you about that? Uh, just go ahead. And I'm very excited. Uh, like I said, I've been we've been working on costumes. We've been planning our trip. Uh, all the, you know, if have you ever heard of con crunch, I don't know if mm-hmm. you've heard of con crunch con crunch is where you are at the last minute, still working on costumes. And that's kind of where we're at. Mm. Uh, so I, I just painted a helmet and put some clear coat on it. Cause even though it's going to be hot as blazes in Florida, I'm still going to try and wear my Twi'lek and my Mandalorian while I'm there. Uh, and then I'm just mentally preparing myself for all of the money Disney is going to take out of my pockets. <laughs> I was I was doing that today. So tomorrow we're we're doing the reservations for our um, our first day. Nah, there. Good luck. So we're yeah. So we're setting up all those the restaurants and uh, we can re- well, do can, our reservations for the droid and the. You you can do that for the entire trip. Yes, that's right? what we're doing. Uh, we can start. Days out. So, so you can yeah. you can make your reservations for the whole trip. Yeah. But the thing is, uh, get your droid depot reservation and get your uh, your Oga. Try to get Ogas if you can. You probably won't be able to get Ogas Cantina. And if you want to do Savis, try and get that because without a reservation, you're not getting into those. Noted. Um, yeah. So we're doing all those rest those reservations and everything uh, tomorrow. <laughs> so I'm excited. Yeah. I'm kind of excited about that. Um, I have been, so we have been, uh, actually, this is kind of going into the D&D here. Uh, here, this is a special moment right here because 
each and every single one of you that is on the show right now, I have DM'd for, and none of you have actually played together with me as your DM. Uh, David, it's a very I, specific set of qualifications, but it's accurate. It is accurate though, because I was like, well, I was like, Kevin, you've played with me and you, you me and Kate have played together, but we were mm-hmm. all NPCs or we were all PCs. True. You come over to my house pretty much on a week bi-weekly basis. And we do D and D I, we call it, it's, you know, Monty Python and we call it D and D. I actually DM'd for Kate a couple weeks ago and got to watch her be a murder hobo. And <laughs> I did the uh, the International Tavern of Players with David, so mm-hmm. that's kind of fun. Um, and but yeah, I'm get we're getting ready next week. We're doing it again, and so I've been getting stuff ready. I'm trying to add some pizzazz. I've been painting uh, a bunch of models up for that. Uh, David, I, or actually Kevin, I'm painting a dice tower for your wife. Thank so you. I've been working on that. Yeah, no worries. Um, and then I may or may not have gotten my hands on a new lightsaber uh it is a dual it's it's a super basic one uh from ultra sabers um yeah i I can't remember actually which one i got um but i got a i got a dual blade um i don't even have batteries in it yet um but it's lights and sound or just lights just lights uh i i I actually went with uh so i am typically a blue saber kind of person. I like my icy blue and all that stuff, but I figured if I'm getting a new saber, uh, I should probably do a different color. And so I went with the, I went with counselor green. So I went nice. with the, yeah, I, I, I don't have a green lightsaber. Did, did you get the, um, the quick connect? Yeah. Yeah. Swap, yeah. Yeah. You can swap the LEDs if you do that. Okay. Um, Cause I got that in a manticore. Mm-hmm. I got the quick connects so I can swap out the LED. It can be blue or green or whatever color I have. And then in the my Scorpion, I got the Emerald soundboard so I can plug it into the computer and then change the colors with that um, through a through a, a application they have. Now that also adds to the price. Yeah. Because um, the, Emerald, the Emerald board has LED control and it has sound built in. Nice. I was actually just looking up to see which one I have. I actually think I have the, I got the Apprentice V4. Like I said, I just wanted something super simple. Um, and I went with the 32 inch blades and they're freaking huge. Like this, this is just the hilt. And then it's. Keeps up. Yeah, I use, I use 32s. Some Do of you? the taller guys in our, in our group will use. It towers 36s. over me. Really? It's, yeah. I, well, I'm. I'm 5'10". You're not a tall guy. With the double blade, yeah, I would. Oh, so it's like a staff. You have it on either end? Yeah. Yeah, so it is tall above me. Kevin, it actually might be the same size as you. Um, Usually when you do two, I I do a little bit shorter. I'll do like a 30. Noted. If I have two like separate savers, you want to like dual wield, I usually do shorter as well. That makes sense. Yeah. You can always cut it down. Just get a PVC. That is true. That is true. I'm enjoying it. Um, you know, Kate, what have you been up to, by the way? It's been a little bit since you've been on the show. I know. I was sad I was able to make the uh, the boys episode. Sorry yes, you, you were missed. Um, I won't lie. Mark may have been uh, may have been talking a little bit crap in that episode. He was About like, me? Oh. <laughs> you didn't listen to it? <gasps> Is it shame. out? Oh, 
I didn't see I'm it. not saying anything. Nope. My mouth's keeping shut now Marked because I want it? you to listen. Ooh, someone's <laughs> but, not getting invited to use the pool again. Oh, you know what? Feel bad for that guy because so Hi. Mark's a, he's married to Molly. He's the luckiest Mark guy. Mark is in the a world. mail carrier. He's a letter carrier like me. And he works at the post, not at the same post office as Kevin and I do, but he's a letter carrier and he has been walking. He is a walker. I'm a driver. He's a walker. Um, it is hotter in the trucks than outside of them, though. Yes. It, it, I don't know. Should, should we talk about like how my truck burst into flames today? <laughs> I, I posted on my personal social media and I'll just put it out here since I said something up. Uh, yeah, my truck broke down today. Uh, got little smoky so it was for a fun day great monday by the way it's a great way to start a monday uh so it was it was interesting everything was safe all the mail got delivered and everything was honky dory and i still finished in a timely manner because i am a good little mailman i guess <laughs> um but yes feel bad for that poor guy that's that's that was a whole thing because he was out there hoofing it uh, no that doesn't give him the right <laughs> <laughs> to talk smack about me oh my goodness i want to give him such a hard time <laughs> oh yeah do it totally do it please um what was he making fun of me for that i that i went to that you didn't show up that you didn't show up mostly oh he's I like yeah I wasn't going to he's I like he was going he's like forget her and i was like yeah and i'm like no wait she's nice and it was my fault and i totally took the blame and as i should have oh um, that was the one where you're like it was I, like seven and you like texted me you're like hey here it is i'm like ah yeah what? i totally oh, thought one. i did yeah that, that was, was okay yeah so i'm an idiot on that one but I, so I yeah i studied for that a little bit too i read some articles and stuff because i was oh I man watched it, but i had some questions so i read up on it a little bit i was all prepared you know what next time i i apologize when season four comes around and wraps up i'll have you come on and i'll have you and molly because molly is a little deviant and you two together it's like <laughs> oh, you just fun. had Mark? You didn't have Molly on too? I had Mark, Molly, and I had uh, Mike. Oh, that's going to be a good episode. It was a good episode. It was like a fun hard. episode. I'll listen to that tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what have you been up to? A um, lot, of, lot of preparations. We're doing uh, Saber Guild is going to Terrificon this weekend. That's so fun. it's been, it's just been like a lot of getting stuff together um, for that. So the con will be a lot of fun. This will be our first year going too. So it's just a lot of um, planning Printing posters, putting together schedules, um, uh, coordinating with the 501st and Rebel Legion. It's been a lot. Are you doing a booth there or are you guys just yeah. going there? Are you, yeah. are you really? We were going to like, we were just going to be in an area with 501st and Rebel Legion since mm -hmm. they always have that spot in the hallway when you walk in, but we're going to mm -hmm. be doing uh, the kids training. So we're going to actually oh, fun. be in a booth close, close by them, but the, uh, the, the training arena <laughs> Is, is next door so we'll be running um kids training we'll be doing adult lightsaber training as well it's gonna be a fun weekend are you talking kev not to you oh okay that's fair i saw your mouth moving <laughs> to you <laughs> nice um that's awesome though uh, but i was just gonna say see i was gonna say something smart alec to you kevin i was gonna be like look you can go try out your lightsaber and everything but then your mouth was too. We use training sabers though. Because the adult lightsaber training, we actually run it like uh, saber guild practice. So you learn how to do like safe choreo with a fight Ooh. partner, and you learn like you know the basics of how to put together a little a little fight choreo yourself. So we kind of it's a little bit more of a practical kind of lesson in using a sword. 
And uh, versus the kids training is more of like, it's like a little show. It's a little performance as we've seen before. Nice. I want to take Steve's lightsaber that's too big for him and go right to sparring with him. D- done. You, uh, we could do it on Saturday, man. I challenge I'm, you to a gauntlet throne. <laughs> it, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I, I will get my butt kicked. I, I'm not even gonna lie. Like he towers. Kev, how Roll for initiative. Me? Right. Six. I used to be six two, but then I got old. So I'm like six one and a half. <laughs> you're only six. No way. Mm-hmm. Not that. You're. I'm like a foot wider than you. That's true. So. You, you're on my Hodor. You are my Hodor, and I love it. Um, David, you'll be proud of me. I uh, uh, finally finished uh, Jurassic World. Okay. Good. Ah. <laughs> Meh. It's a big like, dumb movie. It is. It really is. Well, it, my problem is, is like they just, they just did so many cameo appearances of just like rando dinos and like, I don't know, man. They they, they need to embrace the fact that they're big dumb movies. Yeah, but that's, maybe that's, because it wasn't on an island. That's my thing. But they made it on an island. But instead of being on an island, it was in a valley in Switzerland, which is like being on an island. Yeah, but it was also in Morocco. It, and they just like were introducing new raptors all over the place. Like in the pyroraptor. Go- why would the why would the raptor, the thing that's so fast on land, swim? Because it looks cool. I think it, they're they're trying to make it for people to go see, like David said, a big dumb movie. It's I, not, yeah. it's kind of for original Jurassic Park fans where they threw all the old people. I haven't seen it yet, yeah. but you know, it's kind of for kind of for dinosaur fans. But if you really know a lot about dinosaurs, you're probably not gonna like any of the Jurassic Park movies. No, that much. I loved, but that's the thing. I love Jurassic Park movies. I loved uh, Jurassic Park one, two is not yeah. bad. Three, we don't talk about three. We don't talk about three. Jurassic World was great. Uh great to stretch. It was a movie. Five was god awful, was an abomination, legitimately my least favorite. And six, six is it's it's better than three, but like the, 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 the problem, the problem with the new Jurassic Park movie is the situation of the world did not change from the end of Jurassic Park five. There are still dinosaurs running loose in the world and humans have to learn to live with them. The situation didn't change. There was just these locusts that come out of nowhere yeah. and are, are eating crops. And, and the overarching lesson in all of this is humans are greedy and corporations are going to destroy the world. That's true. That's I also message, feel like that, that's the message of every one of the Jurassic Park movies. And they can't really do better than that. And all of the, the, the all of the awe and the wonder that was in the first Jurassic Park and the first Jurassic Park holds up. I mean, mm. even today, almost 30 years later, the first Jurassic Park movie holds up. Mm. But then it's 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 just another big, dumb movie. And it's like a Godzilla movie. Yeah. No one wants to go to a Jurassic Park movie to see humans do anything other than run and get eaten by dinosaurs. True That's story. Only- that's the only function of humans in these movies, and they just need to embrace that and just have dinosaurs eat people all the time. I, I think what, uh, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, I think another problem was they had two different movies trying to be in one movie while also making it very Indiana Jonesy theme style. Like I felt like the energy was very Indiana Jones, and then you had the story about Ellie, Alan, and Ian doing like trying to stop big you know big government or biosyn and then you had 
uh, Owen and Claire trying to save uh, their adopted daughter. And right, but 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 they didn't advance the plot of the human clone any. The, no, the only thing they wanted to do was put Doctor Sattler, Doctor Grant, and Doctor Malcolm all in the same place with Owen, Claire, and the daughter. Yeah. Uh, Amazing. And then all of a sudden, Doctor Henry Wu feels bad. Yes. Like, I, yeah. and and they had him set up to be a great arch villain, and then he was. He would have been a great villain. Yes. He would have been a great villain. They brought back Dodgson. Right. The guy we got for like five seconds, like in the books, he's a he's a huge character in the books, but in the movie, oh. right. the, I digress. Jurassic we did Park not come here to talk about dinosaurs. They, we did they, not come they here. They just need to be. They just need to go big dumb. Movie. David did, and that's just what it is. Just big dumb yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah, they did. Um, but we, like I said, we did not come here to talk about dinosaurs. We came here to talk about. Actually, we did come here to talk about dinosaurs because they are in Dungeons oh. and Dragons. But we're gonna roll for initiative here. Uh, we're gonna sit here and talk about. Probably David Mind, one of our favorite games, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, so I, I was trying to figure out how I wanted to start this. Like I said, I've done this episode before. You want to know the history of DD, please listen to that episode because that's a very history oriented episode. Um, but Dave, you and I were talking earlier. Uh, we are, for a lack of a better word, the the vintage players here. You have how many years have you been playing D and D? I first played started. I first started playing role playing games when I was nine. Uh, somebody, I was in gifted class, of course, right? Because I'm Asian, uh, <laughs> and somebody brought a game to school, and it wasn't Dungeons and Dragons. It was a game called Star Frontiers. Star Frontiers. Oh and Star Frontiers is a space combat. This a space game. And uh, there were two versions. One was called Alpha Dawn, which was people running around and not just people, but uh, aliens. And Nighthawks was the space combat game. So somebody brought this to gifted class and we were playing it. We didn't know what we were doing. But this kind of box, uh, this is, I have Nighthawks in uh, my hands, but I've also got the books and they came with little counters and all this other stuff. But the first versions of Dungeons and Dragons came in boxes like this. And the first one was a red, the basic rules. And that's why we call it red box. And D and D came out of a, a tabletop game called Chainmail, And it was developed by Gary Gygax uh, and others uh, just as a tabletop war gaming. And eventually it became, you know, more, more role play as opposed to just moving miniatures around on a table. Um, and that was, in the early eighties for me. And there are people who've been, who were playing D and D before that. Uh, and so um, I lived through, I, I was kind of conscious of it, but in the eighties, there was, they call it the satanic panic. Mm. And it's where all the fundy Christians, there was this reaction against Dungeons and Dragons. It was worshiping the devil because they had a book called deities and demigods. And in the month, that what Manor, started among other things. Okay. Um, and, you know, in the in the monster manual, there were devils and there were demons. Uh, and so pe parents, fundy Christians who didn't know what they were doing, who had never played a game in their lives, they just kind of latched on to it. They would blame anything, any of the ills of society on Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and so it's something that warms my heart today as someone who grew up in that era 
to see Dungeons and Dragons clubs in schools, being sponsored mm. by school districts, being used as learning tools because it teaches cooperation, it teaches math, and it teaches probability, and it teaches people how to resolve conflict. Um, you know, for every murder hobo, there is another player who who wants to resolve a conflict without without resorting to fighting or or something like that. And so it it I just love you know like a lot of other things in nerd culture, because I didn't have that support in high school in the late 80s and in the early 90s. And now I see kids who are, you know, in middle school and in high school, they dress up and they they're not ashamed of it. And it's encouraged. And you see it on TV. You see it almost mainstream. You see it in on Stranger Things. You see it uh, uh, not being treated in a necessarily stigmatized way either. So just having gone through that, uh, and seeing this in that's available to children and young people and it's being encouraged uh, i just i just love that yeah i mean heck my son's school his middle school he's going to uh fifth or sixth grade next year has a dungeons and dragons club right like my sure. school never had that i can't even no. like ah because of stranger things or because I don't know. It didn't I, exist I, before that. I think it might exist before that. Well, Stranger Things has been around for a while. Yeah. Now, because we're on what season four or well, five. It, five. But Dungeons and Dragons is was put into Stranger Things because the people who made Stranger Things, people who are my age, right? In their who are in their early, mid, and late 40s, are in a position of influence. They're the writers, they're the producers, and they think. This is this was cool. This was my childhood. And so they want to insert that into into a mainstream TV show, um, just like the people who are making Star Wars now grew up on Star Wars uh, and people who grew up reading Marvel comics. Now they're making MCU movies. Um, so I, I think it's kind of a chicken and egg thing as to whether, you know, Stranger Things revived d I don't think that's quite the case. I um, would say. I would say honestly, Critical Role is probably what revived the D and D. And and did they make it as impactful? I don't know, but they definitely put it in the limelight. And then you had a lot of celebrities starting to come out. Um, I always screw up his last name. Uh, Joe Managilio. Manchinello. Mangello. Yeah. Manchinello. Yeah. Yeah. He was like. Dude, when I found out he was the guy that he's like, yeah, I turned to, we bought a house and we got, it has a vin, uh, a winery in the basement. I turned it into D&D. I have Stephen Colbert come over. I have uh, Conan O'Brien. I have Patton Oswalt. I have uh, Vin Diesel. All these people come over and play D&D and I'm sitting here going like, right. You couldn't oh. be cool and dieseled out like that and play D D. like that's not right, fair but, that's awesome right, but the fact that but the fact that they had to come out and the fact that it was hidden or at least an open secret i mean that's and and they don't feel that way anymore yeah um, you know the, 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 there's an allegory there's an allegory for 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 queer culture in that as well that you know D D players have always been there but a lot of people, they were they were in the closet, so to speak, about that. That you know, you might play with your friends or you might play with small groups, but you just you didn't necessarily announce it to the world. But also <laughs> the internet, the internet has made that more accessible. Without Absolutely. without the internet critical role and some of these other podcasts and some of these other people that play um, uh, wouldn't have the exposure that they do. I mean, critical role 
they they funded Legend of Vox Machina through crowdsourcing. And you it's know, that, absolutely amazing. But you right, did bring but, up a, a great point. And I I, I, I want to ask this because, you know, come us coming out of the closet, if you will, with it, you know, there is something that brings it to you. And like, so Kate, you being our most babyest of, yes, our novice of players. <laughs> uh, but this is a serious question, though. Why did you want to play D&D? What brought you into D&D? Um, most recently, I was in a play called She Kills Monsters, which is a um, which is a uh, play about like two sisters kind of reconnecting through a game of D&D. And I, I was in the fight ensemble. So I thought I was like the bugbear. And I, that's what I was asking in the trailer about the okay. bugbear. I played a bugbear. I played a lizard thing. I was part of the gelatinous cube puppet. I, I helped with Tiamat. So like I heard all like these names and stuff and I kind of like watching the play kind of saw how it worked. And I was really intrigued by it. And like I knew about Dungeons and Dragons. I knew I had some friends that played it and I've, I've kind of like maybe they were just too subtle the hints that I kind of would like throw because I know once you start a campaign like you don't add in new people but when I heard they were playing I would just kind of subtly and say like, oh, that sounds like really fun. I'd love to try that one day. And I guess I just was never quite cool enough to do it. So <laughs> I, I didn't know that was a thing. You are cool enough to play D and D. I guess. But not I mean, what. <laughs> um, so Kate, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. I am turning thirty nine this year. Really? Mm hmm. You, you look amazing for thirty nine. You do not Thank look like you. you're thirty nine. Moisturize, um, kids. Right. Um. <laughs> why 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 all of a sudden did i mean i'm sure you've heard about it your whole childhood your whole life there was well, no other time you really kind no? of. when i was really young when i was in okay. uh uh maybe fifth or sixth grade i had my okay. best friend her name was heidi cho she was my mm. best friend and i remember going over to her house to play and she i remember her asking me once she's like hey she like pulled out this box she's like do you want to play dungeons and dragons and I remember like kind of looking at it, looking at the box and just being like, yeah, I don't feel like sitting down and like learning the rules of a whole new game right now. Now let's do something else. I said, okay. And <laughs> I still think about that to this day. I'm like, I wonder if I had just gotten over myself and sat down and played. If I'd gotten it, I would have gotten into it a little sooner. I mean, so I do, I do regret not having the opportunity to do it sooner, but um, I don't know. I guess I just never, I've always been busy with a lot of activities. So I guess- mm -hmm. I just never had friends that were like, that's like what they did. But now I'm kind of in a friend group that does a lot of the cosplay, does a lot of that, that kind of nerdy stuff and they do the D and D. So it definitely has, has kind of piqued my interest seeing other people do it. So I guess when this, these one shots kind of popped up on my Facebook feed, which probably showed up on my Facebook feed because of all the posts I was doing to promote, she kills monsters, <laughs> he knows Facebook learns. I'm like, Oh, she's into this now. And it popped up. I'm like, that sounds perfect for me. To kind okay. of get my feet wet and try it out. So you, you've done three games. So I'm going to do three. a two-part question here. Uh, your first game, how did you feel about it? You know, like before and after. And we'll do that. And then after that, I want to know, you know, how do you feel about it now? Like, okay. what excites you about it? Okay, my first game, I was excited, but I was nervous because I didn't mm. want to mess up and annoying was that, your, people are, was that with me and kevin as your first game yeah okay so and, just and make it amazing that Jim first game oh thank you just, I was, 
you're the way you thought to handle situations i still can't get there i'm like i should hit it with a hammer that's my first thing to do and my second thing i love like i love the improv him to take a year off <laughs> gap, gap year, year. <laughs> Yeah, I love I, I love the improv, the the stuff with the sheet. I got really intimidated by that, the character sheet, because mm-hmm. there was just a lot of stuff on there and I didn't know how it worked with the numbers. So when we were going through the game and we had anything to do with just role playing, I, I think I just really kind of leaned into that. I'm like, oh, I could do that. That's improv. That sounds like fun. <laughs> Did you feel pressured by like in, in any way to ha- to play a certain way or did you just I thought it felt it felt really clear from from like the very kind of first few instructions what we were supposed to do like here's the road here's your car here's your people mm-hmm. in the car go here to the stoplight and then stop it seemed very clear and i remember thinking well that sounds boring let's do something <laughs> completely different let's turn the car upside down. Let's, let's, like, and that's exactly what happens every off. time yeah so and, and now you've transitioned because your third game i was your dm so this is this is a a interesting day. So how did you feel about that? You know, how did that compare to your first game? So the first game, the the plot was like a dream sequence, yes. which even though it was fun, it was my first game. I'm not a huge fan of like dream sequences, especially mm. in the game, because I don't feel like it feels like the stakes are that high because you just like wake up, mm. you know. So it was I was just kind of like, oh, is that what we're doing? Okay, that's fine. I thought it would just be more of a classic mm. adventure. It was fine. It was fine though. It was great for my my first you know game and then the second one was um i don't remember the second one. i remember <laughs> i liked the second one a little bit better were you okay. there for that steve the second no game? i wasn't i actually um Shoot. was driving up oh. to pennsylvania i remember the one. second game the second yes. one i was also just an agent of chaos and i think they i think that the table might have gotten a little mad at me and i, I recognized that and i pulled back <laughs> I was a warlock the second game. The first game. Oh, I was, so elders blast everything. Yeah. So like Jim yeah. had to do a lot of explaining to me. I'm like, what is this stuff? <laughs> um, and it was also very clear. We ended up going to the fairy realm and mm-hmm. had to like like find this witch that was taking over the fairy realm and like steal a, a magic robe. And mm. so everyone's like, okay, let's go and do that. And I kind of wanted to, I was like, oh, why don't we go to the witch, befriend her? you know, party hard when she passes out, we'll take, we'll take the road. Like nobody dies, <laughs> like, we don't have to fight that's anyone. smart thinking. It would be fun. And yeah. nobody wanted to do it. Like deadpan. Like people were just like, eh, no, let's not do that, Kate. Let's, no, let's not do that. <laughs> I oh. encourage chaos like that. I like that. And they were, okay. I don't know. They, they weren't as fun. They weren't as mm. fun. So, um, but it was still, it was still very good. I liked, I liked that campaign better. And mm. then when we got to your campaign, I feel like we're, we're leveling up. Like that was mm. really, really, fun because you had I liked that you had the little figures mm. I thought that was helpful because I didn't have that before that you could lay out the figures so when you start a fight you know where people are so that was like a new a new angle aspect you know okay. to kind of think about which I didn't have before and I played a barbarian for that one so I had a really a lot of I had a lot of fun with that character <laughs> just running headlong into situations you you played the the perfect barbarian it was so you know. fun kill first ask questions later yeah like so that was absolutely amazing um and molly was there too so of yes course, yes you, you know, two are gremlins anything uh, that you know molly starts i'm going to be right there backing <laughs> her up so <laughs> um but kev so i'm going to transition to you because you have while she has weeks of D experience you have months through 
This is true. Like how many the, the are you, vast knowledge and experience? <laughs> um, how many games have you you your was I your well no you, was I your first game? No, I played a couple of sessions years ago with okay. someone, and just it were very relaxed. It was kind of like one shots, and uh, I, I didn't remember it. That's my dad, he doesn't play. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so we did that, but then you started talking about it. I'm like, I remember I had a lot of fun those two times I played, and I'm like, hell yeah, let's play again. When did you play your your two games? Years ago, I don't even know. You don't remember what year or anything? Like, it, it it felt like the same system, mm-hmm. but three, four, five years ago. Okay. What character okay. did you play? I know I was Goliath Barbarian. And it's the oh, same thing. I was fifth. this big idiot. We were in a cave, and I didn't realize I was seven feet tall. And I just hit my head on the cave the whole time. I was like, I'll go in first. And it's a small <laughs> tunnel. And and he he played uh, my DM then. He played a lot like Steve, where st- stupid things happen. He was like, where to have fun, the rule of cool. I remember throwing my sister's pet donkey at a giant spider to kill it. And it had like the alcohol barrel on its back. And it, there was fire and exploded and everything died. And we won that way. And I was like, I love this game. It's absurd. It's chaotic, but there's rules. So you have a structure to follow. So it's not just complete chaos. You can actually enjoy a game. So let me ask time. you this why do you continue to play like what is it that keeps having you come back is it having a good dm is it having a good party is it just a fun game because you do you do one shots and you haven't been at my table for one shots but i've seen you at james's table i don't know if you've been with other people um and i I know you come play with me on a a bi-weekly basis with all the, the monsters and mailmen group it's um, all of those things. If you have a bad DM, you might not enjoy it. If you have a bad party, we played with a guy that wasn't really great to have at the table once. And that was probably my least favorite session out of the 12 or 15 or 20, however many I played. Um, what did he do that was bad just for a newbie to know? Like Not like, not game, game wise. It was fun. It was just not someone that fit at our table oh, as far okay. as like personality and stuff. But um yeah, I mean, if you have any, you know, if you might have a bad time, we might have a bad game anytime. Maybe you have an off night, but you know, we're booked, so you got something on your mind that could happen. It hasn't yet, fortunately, but anything can turn off. You could have a boring one shot. Um, I remember the first one shot I did recently, and uh, I was looking for more structure. The DM was playing straight from the book and he was letting us explore, which some people enjoyed. I kind of wanted to be railroaded a little more so I knew where to go so we could progress in the story. Because I, we, there, he opened a room for us. There was like a little contraption here we could fit it with. It didn't actually do anything relevant. It was just something to play with. Mm. I wanted to keep going, fight the next thing. And so that, that it, it dragged on a little bit because we didn't really know what to go. So yeah, if you have a decent DM, decent players, a decent story, um, then it's good. And you have a couple of fun people. We play with some really fun guys or imaginative and a little chaotic <laughs> and uh it, it's fun when it goes off the walls we've had a couple of sessions where you didn't even open the book no th- three sessions in a row <laughs> um, but let me that is fighting things this this does bring up a good point um so do you feel pressured when you're playing one shots because kate that's all you've known as one shots and kevin you've dabbled in both do you feel pressured because there is a time limit on a one shot? Not at all. No, I think one shots 
for Kate, she's only done one shots. Mm. For us, we do a campaign where we kind of need to consider our actions because our actions do have consequences. We learned that very early on. <laughs> um, one shots, I think it's a chance to relax and just do stupid things because okay. the stakes aren't that high. You know, it's only going to be one session. If you die, you die. If somebody else dies, they die. But a campaign, you invest a lot of time and there's NPCs that matter and your characters matter. You care about your character. It's like you've been reading a book for months and you're, you're really invested in it. So I, I think uh, we need to get Kate in a campaign. Absolutely. She can, she can find that balance and then do a one shot and just start throwing fireballs at things. So in a campaign, if your character dies, like, are you kind of like kicked out of the group? Like, do you not show up? No, anymore? no. So you you'll never get like kicked NPC? out of the group. Like, what, like, no. what happens? So there is, there, there is, um, it, it, now that's a great question that depends on your DM. Um, so I have always been the believer, unless you're really one of those people that are like, hey, I really don't want to play this character anymore. Like, you're like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to do somebody new. Um, you typically would grab a new character sheet, roll, re-roll stats, and depending on how far you guys have progressed in the game, kind of teeter the levels around what that is. That's the typical thing that is done. You would start um, at like a low... You, you might start at a level below everybody else. Okay. So if everybody's like yeah. level six, you might be level five just because you're getting up in there. Um, I am one of those people that sometimes... I have played campaigns where if your character dies and you still like that character, that doesn't mean your character is permanently dead. Um, your your team can find something to revive your character. You might be out a session. You might be sitting there for a little bit. And while you're sitting there watching them, I might be having you play a separate little mini campaign and be like, hey, you're dead. You're trying to get out of there wherever you are, whether it's like you're in uh, Avernus, which is like hell, um, or you're in some whatever you know your religion of your 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 character is you might if you're el you're an elf and you live, live in this fey nature world you might be trying to escape the ethereal so essentially it's like supernatural rules like it can be really it dead. can be it, there's always yeah. a way yeah there's there, yeah yeah there's unless your dm is like hey your character dead your character dead here's a new like, sheet um oh okay a lot more people are to play like yeah, that it, it could be too where like we we skip a lot of rules like if you have two things in your hands you have to take a turn to put something away and do something else oh. i think you're you're very flexible with the rules hmm. um so it's not too technical i'd like to try that where you let a lot of things go or you're you're very flexible in some things but let's hmm. play it by the book someday even a one shot just <laughs> we'll do a one shot and, and you'll realize your way ways way better um actually david this is a because you have played since because you played since Redbox, you have played it to where so back in the day guys you only got a class if you were a human uh what were dwarves were always oh right in in, in red box each race was a class a yes okay class. sorry yes but Dwarf, humans got Dwarf more choices humans yes humans fighter mage fighter magic user thief cleric and then there were some subclasses, but so a dwarf was a fighter, but they had some extra abilities, but there was a level cap. Elves were fighter magic users and they had some extra stuff, but there was a level cap. And, and so, but AD&D removed some of that, but it wasn't as wide open as, um, as 
third edition, fourth edition, or fifth edition was. So for example, there were no Dwarven magic users. They had resistance to magic, but they didn't practice magic. So you couldn't be a Dwarven, dwarven wizard. Uh, you, you couldn't be a halfling ranger, for example, but there were, there were trade-offs and other things that went with that. Um, you you couldn't so is that like the buy the book yes that, that you're talking about yes okay. in, in in the player in the ad and d player's handbook there is a chart of, of which races can be which which classes and then there were restrictions on multi-classing um the difference was the the classes weren't balanced so for example in fifth edition if you take any random wizard and any random fighter of equal, you know, say you do you point by or you do a, a standard array abilities and you drop them into an arena, each one is going to win 50% of the time. In AD&D, fighters got very powerful very quickly. They had D10 hit dice. They, they had a different to hit table than magic users. And so fighters got very quickly, very powerful, very quickly. Magic users were so weak. They had D4 hit points. And if you sneezed on them, they were going to die. <laughs> That's so but true. Then, but then when, when, when in AD&D and in second edition, when they, when the fighters, they started to top out at about level 13 or 14, unless they just got really good gear. But level 13 or 14 was when that magic user was just hitting his stride. And so the spell tables were such that a level 30 magic user could cast something like six ninth level spells. And they could just drop meteor swarm after meteor swarm after meteor swarm on somebody. And that fighter was just, just dead. So there was a little bit of delayed gratification, but in third edition, they started to balance the classes. They took away a lot of the, um, they took away the, the level caps. They took away the class restrictions and that opened up the game so people could play a lot differently because AD&D was really based on, it was based on Lord of the Rings. I mean, yep. that's kind of the world that they built. Uh, they called them, you know, halflings instead of hobbits. Uh, but then third edition kind of went full fantasy and they let people play. Um, and then that's when they introduced the level 20, uh, uh, the cap for level 20 and now if you take a level 20 fighter and you take a level 20 magic user and put them with equal gear and equal stats in the same room they're each of them is going to win 50 percent of the time whereas before in ad and d that level 20 magic user is they're going to sneeze on the fighter the fighter is going to die and then they're going to go on to the next one <laughs> uh, just because that's the way they were built at the time uh, a character that you've you did a whole campaign with for however long that campaign was and it leveled up Mm -hmm. And then maybe you went to a new group or maybe you had another campaign. Would you also bring that character with all those stats with you? Or would you it have would to kind of start? It anew? would depend on the party and it would depend on the dungeon master, whether they'd let you bring another character in. And, and now. You, you know, you were talking about, just a second, Steve, yeah, you were talking sorry. about what makes for a good D&D game. Yeah. The, the people sitting at the table can make any game great and they can make any game bad. You know, I have, I've been at tables where the party was fantastic. You know, when I was in college, when I was in college, because I didn't like second edition, we, we played in a different system, uh, but it was still role-playing games. Um, but we had a good table. I had a good core group of friends and we have a lot of stories that we still tell, we still tell those stories years later. Um, 
because those were formative for us. Um, but then I've also been at tables where there's just no chemistry, where there's one person who's made it not just an agent of chaos, but they have, they go at, you know, and I, and I, I don't mind a little bit, I don't mind chaos, but when you have a player who is actively sabotaging other players at the table, that's not fun to me. Absolutely agree. I, I don't enjoy that. Now, I will also tell you that we had a, I had a dungeon master who let us play an all evil campaign. Every character, they could, you could be as evil as you wanted. We're you could do whatever Steve. you wanted. And it was awesome. And let me tell you, that is the most cooperative group I have ever been in. Because the dungeon master gave that there was a G's or there was a spell that, that every, every everybody had to get a MacGuffin for a reason. Each person in the party had the they had to get this MacGuffin for a certain reason. And that party got along famously, not because every character liked each other, because the characters hated themselves, hated each other. We were best friends, but everybody knew that at the first sign of betrayal, everyone was gonna die. And it was fabulous. That that all all somebody had to do all the all the the dark elf had to do was you know put a dagger in somebody's back everyone was dying oh it was great <laughs> but that was I a like fun that. campaign that was that was a very fun campaign but it was made even better because the people at the table we we were all best friends in real life and we all enjoyed that campaign but like I said you can sit down at a table especially if it's with people you don't know and you can have an awful time or you can have a great time. You know, and I like one shots because it lets you try out a funky build. It lets you learn mechanics in a way that you don't necessarily, because one of the barriers for D&D, I think, to new players is that it is intimidating because there are a lot of rules. There are a lot, so we, many rules. We, we throw out a lot of terms. We throw out a lot of terminology. Like, will that provoke an attack of opportunity? And if you're new to the plot, to the game, what the hell's an attack of opportunity? How do I provoke one? How do I not <laughs> provoke one? Can I have an attack of opportunity without provoking anything? You know, and so th there's that. And then you also have people, unfortunately, who want to take every chance to either show off how smart they are, or just shit on new people. And to me, those are the people who don't make role playing fun. Um, Absolutely. You know, or the, or the rules lawyers. I hate rules lawyers. But you Th know. that's why I love when I'm the DM. I have the rule that says I'm the DM. That's why. Right. And right. Rule the, of cool. Yes. And and the, the rule of cool is awesome, you know, and you, know, you can try anything, you, you know, so there's it. a chance. Yes, yeah. there's always a chance, you know, but, there, but that's that's why we played these games. Yeah, I, I absolutely 100 percent. And thank you, David, because you couldn't have said it any better. Um, the only thing I will add to that is. If you create a character, so there is running a regular campaign through D&D, and then there are things that you can do called Adventure League. Uh, that is that is an official thing through Dungeons and Dragons to where you can have a character, you, you have to build in a certain criteria. And if you go to an area and be like, hey, I have a character that I've created in Adventure League. I want to play in a game. I'm in, you know, Valparaiso, Indiana who's you know is there a place that plays and are there any games going it's 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 a tougher thing but i honestly in general i don't have a problem so like kate you want to come play you're like man i want to play in campaign um we're getting ready to wrap one up but like if even then i would still tell you kate you want to come play come play 
we'll build you a character. We'll talk about it a little bit. I'll give you an update. Um, I have always been a strong believer in the more the merrier. Uh, the more people you get playing, the more people you're going to have come back, the more people you're going to have telling stories. And Kev can vouch for me here. So you can play the day, the day after we, yeah, yeah, the day after our game, the first day of work, like solid actual work after the whole our office game, is talking about it. The whole office talks about the games because we have this dude from Massachusetts, our good boy, Ken, who is just our adorable idiot who does dumb things and it's absolutely hilarious. Then we have our borderline sociopathic murder hobo. Uh, and now we have our just absolutely adorable golden retriever, uh, Chris. <laughs> he is such a good boy. He's such a boy scout. I love him. But these, these are engaging, fun moments. And another thing I really like about it, and this really, really thing I like is there's so much crap that's going on in the world. There's so much crap that we deal with every day. And this is an amazing escape. So I can go in. I don't have to think about politics. I don't have to think about, you know, whatever suck I'm having happen today on my at work. I don't have to think about, you know, how I almost or I got a flat tire. I, I, can, I have things that I can think about. And this is this is a great moment that I can go in and be like, hey, man, dice gods, they're a thing. And. <laughs> That is, uh, there is not a player and I, I, you know, Kate, you've only gotten a few games in, but when you get into like any tabletop gaming, you're going to learn there is a dice God, whether or not you believe in them right now, (laughs) they believe in you and they, yes, (laughs) they determine your roles. And that's, you're starting to get down that when you, with the, you're buying all the dice, eventually you start praying to the dice God and yeah, it's, it's definitely a thing. I had a guy at my last table who had like five full sets of dice. Oh, I'm getting some of those. Right. And every time he rolled poorly with one, he would put it in his bag. And so he's done like one D20 by the end. He actually went and bought another set of dice because we're at that one shot. And he started rolling with those and those are bad. So he put that in the bag and he was really rolling <laughs> dice by the end of the, the, the session. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I got hit with that last session. I kept rolling like double terrible Listen, numbers. You might oh. get three nat 20s in one session or you might get three nat ones. Yeah, just either high or low all game. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's but it is it, it's it's a fun thing. Uh, <laughs> I love David. You said how many? Do you have more sets of dice than you do lightsabers? Yes, <laughs> only because dice are only ten bucks a set. That's that's fair. That's that's I love it. See, look at all my gremlins here. These are my all my dice. Are those goblins. mini dice? I really like the minis. They're really cute. I have, a, I have a, a whole tube of d6s for when I cast fireball. I just dumped the whole thing out on the table. <laughs> what did I have a I have a dice subscription. I get two sets a month for like fourteen dollars, and I don't regret it. No, it's so many. Is that, is that through a Kickstarter? No, it's no. a. There's a guy that does it. I I I used to follow him on TikTok. I actually did the, the subscription too for a little bit. I tried it out. Um, yeah, it's nice. You get. You, he's like different levels of subscriptions and you get like either two sets of dice and there's a theme to them. I think mine was actually I dragon got, scales. I get little tiny, like Valentine's day, pink dice. Like you can't even play with them. They're so small, but they're fun to have. They're awesome. Um, I, I guess this is a good spot to wrap up this part. I think we should go ahead and talk about the trailer. Um, I want to play oh, D and D. Huh? Oh yeah. Right. I want to play D and D right now too. I'm not going to lie. Um, but that's another thing I look forward to it all week when I know it's coming up on Saturday night. Yeah, absolutely. 
Dave. Let, let, me, let me also just say, you know, the reason people play these games is because they can be whatever or whomever they want. And I think that appeals to a lot of people. That's true. Um, who who, you know, maybe they're they're stuck in a in a in a family where that has no imagination or maybe they're queer and they haven't come out or maybe they're a cubicle drone and in their daily life, no one notices them. But when they go home or when they, they log in with their friends, they can be whatever they want. They can be a winged elf. They can be a dwarf with a rainbow beard that you know casts illusions or, or whatever it is. And that is tremendously appealing that, that people can build the character, you know, play what you wanna play the way you wanna play it. Um, and that's what it gives. And, you know, we, Steve, you and I, we talked about this in one of the past mm. podcast episodes where they've opened up, they've opened up the game with through optional rules. They've opened up the game so that your the old restrictions on race and class aren't there anymore. Mm -hmm. And so it allows players that flexibility. Oh, you want to be a dwarf who's a magic user. Great. Be a dwarf who's a magic user, or you want to be a Triton, um, you know, you want to be a Triton barbarian or, or something like that. So I, I think that's what's appealing and not just d and I mean, because people also play other games as well um, and they find a system. But most importantly, they find friends who they can play with, who share a similar view. And sometimes some I love playing long campaigns. I love getting attached to a character. I love knowing a character, but then I also love playing a one shot where, hey, roll up the craziest level 15 thing you can and let's just go blow <laughs> some shit up. I mean, that, that's yeah. also fun. So, you well, know, let me ask so you this. Why not? Let me ask you guys this because, again, we have a variety of knowledge here and experience. If someone was teetering on wanting to play DD, what is a what is something you would tell them to be like why they should try this game? Like, what would you tell them? I mean, you said the word escape before. It is absolutely an escape for me. I don't have to worry about selling stamps. I don't have to worry about my kids for a couple hours. My wife does, but I can just <laughs> go and I can be honorable and valorant. I can be evil and kill things. Yeah. I can act how I want to act with no repercussions because it's it's fake, it's pretend. And there's no real consequences. So I can, I can do whatever I want in this little imaginary world that we have. And it's cool. Okay. It's the escapism. I mean, all I've experienced has been one shot. So for me, one shot night, I look forward to, because it's just like having some drinks with some friends. I want to meet new people. I'm going to learn how to do this new thing. Maybe I'll, I'll learn something new that'll make me a little bit of a better player. So that's what I look forward to every night. If I was doing a campaign, I'd imagine it'd be the um, escapism would be a big thing where you're not thinking about work. You're not thinking about what's going on in politics. You're just focused on this one thing. And that's just so therapeutic. I like that. Therapeutic. That is good. Dave, do you have any other? Well, what, what I like, what attracts me about role-playing games is I like the cooperative storytelling aspect of it. That, that you are, that you and however many people that are sitting at your table, you know, depending on how deep into the role play you get, but the, the five or six or seven or however many of you there are, you're telling a story. And the, the, the thing with Dungeons and Dragons and the thing with role playing games is that the game is not a competition, that the game is not the players 
or the, dun the, the players versus the dungeon master or the dungeon master versus the players. The, the group is there to tell a story and the dungeon master is the guide and the dungeon master is the person who sets a lot of the things up. But at the same time, the dungeon master's job is not to kill the players. And on the other side of that, in the social contract, the other side of that, the player's job is not just around with the dungeon masters and, and wreak chaos upon whatever the dungeon master has laid out or play or, or planned. Um, that you are there to tell a story, whatever that story is. And, you know, it, it, whoever your character is and whatever brought your party together. Um, because when I play, when I'm the dungeon master, I don't allow PVP action because to me, that's not what the table is for. And that's why I hate the players who think that they are not just gonna be agents of chaos, but they're gonna sabotage everyone else. I don't like having those people at my table. Um, and at the same time, I also don't like to play with a dungeon master who just thinks, oh, how can I kill the party this week? Because that's, that, that's not, it's not interesting. It's true. It, it, it's not interesting. I mean, you're, if, you're absolutely right. No, I'm not laughing at your, your response. I'm laughing at my, my own guys because I don't go in with the mindset of, hey, how am I going to kill my guys this week? But it, it, it ends up as like, survives ourselves. How, how am I going to keep my guys alive this week is what it comes down to. So sure, that's I mean, the, <laughs> no, the, 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 the greatest asset for a dungeon master is the player's own paranoia. That's a story that writes itself. I mean, I like I, a door mimic in the middle of the woods. <laughs> okay, I will say that one. I was, I was, I was playing in a game. I was, I was game mastering a game in another system, and I, the players were out in the woods somewhere. And this is a high tech. This is a high tech setting, and the players were gonna. They were gonna try to sneak into some camp, and one of the players said, "Hey, do you think there might be landmines?" There are now. <laughs> <laughs> huh. I hadn't even thought of landmines. <laughs> we've done that before. Where we so, we've literally but, were like, one of the guys goes, and I sat there and I gave him the biggest death look in the world. He goes, "Hey, let's be careful of these traps. There might be alarms on them. We got to be careful." And I looked at him. I'm like, "You moron!" Because I could see, and it was James. James had this shit-eating grin on his face because I knew, and he yes. goes, well, let's check. And I'm like, uh-oh. Oh, yeah, I was MFing that dude all night long. I looked at him like, you're a moron. You're a moron. You keep your mouth shut as a player. You keep your mouth shut. The stories write themselves and the players are their own worst enemies, but that's what's fun. That's what makes that's what makes the fun. And that's why in five years, in 10 years, you're going to be telling those same stories. And there's nothing remember? more glorious than a nat 20 when you really need it. When you oh, get that even, critical 20. No, no, no. Oh what's even better God. is the nat one when you don't need it. That's oh, the best. I love story the, in the nat world. One. That's nat the best story in the world. And, and yes. I know I do this differently than a lot of DMs, but this has always been one of my favorite house rules is when you critically fail your hit, you fail. Yes, you fail, but it doesn't mean you don't hit something. There is still a chance you're hitting right. somebody else or another creature. So like there was a bunch of goblins with Kate and um, it was actually it was Molly who did it, but there was six goblins and there's my six players. 
and Molly rolls a one. And I said, cool, let's see who it goes. So I have a D12. I roll a D12 and see who it hits. Ironically, it hit uh, the fighter who just, previous his previous roll had actually rolled a nat one and flung his battle axe behind him and knocked yeah. the warlock off of the carriage that he was trying to protect. And she rolled in that one and fired scorching burning hands or scorching ray. Yeah, scorching ray at the fighter. So it was great Monty Python antics. I love that rule of love where I play like it's you're gonna hit something. Don't worry. That was fun. That was my first time seeing that. Like somebody when you mess up, you might actually hit someone in your party. And I thought that was really exactly it adds to the immersion and the realism. If you picture like a a fight in your head, like you've seen in a movie, and people are swinging axes around. You know, we we do have a, a turn and we take turns and it's in order, but in in real you know real life, but you're swinging a sword, you slip in blood. You don't know what you're gonna hit, and it could be completely <laughs> random and chaotic, but it makes it more real and more immersive right. and infinitely more fun. Right, you can have great success and you can have great failure. Yep, mm-hmm. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, now I really want to play. I'm not even gonna lie. I really, really want to play. I can't wait for Saturday and Tuesday. Uh oh, getting all shivers and giggly over giggly over here. I still ah, I love- still want us to play with David, whether we're in a room and he's oh, on the screen. Yes. Or if we're all doing it on Zoom somehow. We'll, we we can totally do that. We can absolutely I am definitely down. I had um, to eject my uh my kids that were here. <laughs> Because it, it was just wheels on the bus and a monster truck playing over and over. So I was muted the whole time. <laughs> uh, mine right now is my wife's song that she really, this is how she gets my kids and I hate it. Uh, she does whatever song she's really into. She like kind of coerces the twins to do it. So like right now it's all uh, Paris by Chainsmokers. And so they'll start humming it and she'll be like, oh, we got to play it. Hey, Google. And just does that and you know, yeah. Um, I digress. Um, so let's get into this because what inspired this episode uh is the trailer for the new Dungeons and Dragons movie. Now I say the new Dungeons and Dragons movie because there has been a lot of I, I'd say there's been more than a handful of direct to DVD, direct to video Dungeons and Dragons. And in what was it, 2011 was the uh original dungeon dragons movie was it 2000 yeah i was in i was in graduate wow. school. i was totally off um with uh with jeremy asking. jeremy irons and thora birch yes Love jeremy and irons. one of the wayne's brothers uh it was snails awful. it was that was a god-awful movie i was excited back then though for it i was excited for it sure however it it it, it was it was bad um yeah is it just like hard to make a dungeons and dragons movie because i don't think because so many people play it and there's so many campaigns that like producers are just like i'm I'm gonna take a line the experience or i'm gonna take a line from david's book here there was never money in it corporate greed wasn't there and now Uh, that there is money there there is the companies know they're gonna make money i'm gonna do it just like david since companies know they're gonna make money we're gonna get a high quality product it, yes. it is very popular. It is very mainstream now, all of a sudden, because of Critical Role. And there's so many different YouTube groups. And uh, I love uh, Viva the Dirt League D&D. Viva the Dirt! I encourage Australia. everyone to check that yes. out. 
Uh, New Zealand, yeah, but it's the oh, it funniest thing. It, I, I like it almost as much as playing myself. But it's yeah. it's getting huge, and this movie is hopefully the start of you know we're in the age of cinematic universes, so I, I can only expect that this will get bigger, and you'll have more stars like Joe Manganiello, uh, Vin Diesel is a huge uh, player. Um, There's the, a ton. There's the barbarian Steve, like said, girl in this movie. You know she plays in real life. Does she? I know a Deborah Ann Wall, Jack Black, they play. Right. So there's yeah, got to be a yes. ton of potential for more, more stars, more big names, more big movies. Well, the, the, the answer is money. And the, well, and the other thing is technology. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it, it looks good. The production value right. looks the, very the, good. C, the CGI in the, in the first Dungeons and Dragons movie was not very good, but that was also <laughs> now 22 years ago. And so, um, so now we are at the point where they can do a lot of things. I mean, that, one of the worst things in the first movie was they had beholders as basically guard dogs who were distracted by, oh my by, God, by yes. someone throwing a stick by, by Marlon Wayans throwing a stick. Well, part of that was because, you know, and beholders are not guard dogs. Beholders are villains. Be, beholders are, are puppet masters, but because they could only afford one or two shots with the beholder, that's all they could get out of it. And so, some of it is is that they didn't have enough money they didn't have the money to throw at a movie that they didn't think was going to make you know a lot of money and so you got what you paid for um and now i think they realize like i said people who are my age who are in a position to be funding these things and be green lighting these things are now in control and now they can get a-list actors and they can get state-of-the-art technology and they can get they the people that are writing these th- this movie you know that it looks from the trailer like at least the people who wrote the movie have some idea about what dungeons and dragons is about you know they kind they they appear to know the terminology and to know the world and and all of that as opposed to the first one which what the hell were they thinking you know so you know that to me is very encouraging but i i think the the short answer is there there's just nobody has been been willing to throw all this money at uh at a dnd movie uh other than something that just goes straight you know, straight to uh, straight to streaming or straight to video. Just oh, surprising and- with Game of Thrones being so big. Like I would imagine D and D would lend itself really well to like an HBO type series versus a standalone. Unless Give the movie time. is going to maybe kick off that. Give them time. We'll right. see. Well, and, and I think also you had some licensing issues. Um, um, you know, TSR. You know, TSR that used to make D and D. They got bought out by Wizards of the Coast many years ago. And then uh, I think Hasbro owns Wizards of yep. the Coast now. And so some of that is, you know, maybe they couldn't get the license to do it. Um, you know. But again, businesses want to make money. Yes. And nerd fandom is a hot item and they're going to strike wherever the iron is hot. Um, it, I, I don't know how in-depth you guys were watching this, but I was, I mean, you got Justice Smith who is a sorcerer you have chris pine he is a bard and i love that they made the 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 loot joke at the the end of the trailer like he's like what do you bring to this table he's like well i'm the planner oh you make crap plants no i make lots of plants he also plays the loot yeah and i'm like ah bard jokes great you have a barbarian um and you have a paladin and you have hugh grant as a rogue and i was like 
that is a well-balanced team. As a DM, that's what I was sitting there thinking. The walls, I was like, oh, no, that, that, that works out really well. This is going to be a great campaign. We're going to do great things with this. Um, I got super giddy looking at this trailer. I got to see a mimic, which is holds near and dear to my heart. One of my favorite, like classic monsters. Please don't ever play one of my campaigns. I guarantee it. You'll find them at least one mimic. Uh, a gelatinous cube, which is a highly underrated monster. You had a displacer beast. You had the tiefling. Now, because the gatekeepers have to strike, uh, they had to go after this poor tiefling because she wasn't red, purple, or any of the other exotic colors. Um, her horns were too small, and she turned into an owlbear. Uh, first off, rule of cool, and whatever the DM says goes, automatically came to my mind. Uh, Dave, you played 3.5. Uh, yeah. You could transform into an owlbear. Polymorph... I I don't know. I never, I don't play druids. Um, but the here, but the other thing is that rule that prevents, you know, low level druids from turning into owlbears is there for game balance. Yeah. It's there so that, you know, that your low level druid doesn't turn into some monster that's just going to, you know, wipe the floor with everyone. So when you make a movie, you suddenly don't need game balance. You need to have something that looks cool on the screen. And an owlbear looks cool. An owlbear is... Yes. Totally boss. Yes, especially when it's laying waste to a bunch of bad guys. Oh, and yeah. so, I mean, that's, you're going to get that, but the rule of cool and, you know, telling the story is more important than adhering to the by the book rules. And mm. that's one of the first, when you open the Dungeon Master's Guide on page one, it says that right there. And every edition of D&D has said that in some way, shape or form that that the, the 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 purpose of the game is to tell a cooperative story and to 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 have a good time and if you're having fun you're doing it right if you're enjoying the trailer or if you're enjoying the dnd movie you're doing it right not sitting back and nitpicking oh does this match what what it says on page 96 in the player's handbook that's just dumb i wonder <laughs> though with this coming out if i think it's in march um, the new edition is coming out as well, 5.5 or 6 or whatever it is. I want maybe you can become a, an owl bear in the next edition. It's if they're smart, this could be a huge marketing campaign push for the new edition, the movie, uh, who knows, maybe series, the new edition coming out. It could be a huge marketing push to get even more people into the game. I didn't even think about that. Kevin, you blew my mind. Thank you. Oh my well, Right. there is a tv show a tie-in tv show that was announced is there you know? you go. and 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 if the movie makes enough money they'll there will be sequels i the, i will subscribe to whatever that's on right. i i 100 right but the question is will the, will you see diminishing returns excuse me or uh in a sequel or will it get better and build on the last ones you know uh my criticism of star wars the sequel trilogy is that they didn't have a plan and mm. what works for what works for uh the mcu is there's a roadmap. and you know if you've been watching uh uh san diego comic-con they unveiled the next roadmap for the mcu and phase six part of state phase phase yes, six like three years worth of marvel content was laid out there right on the screen and they did that they did this years ago 
like 2014, and they laid out everything up to what became uh, Endgame. Mar the MCU laid all of that out. Some of the things changed, some of the titles changed, some other, some other things, but they at least had a plan. And so mm -hmm. you would hope that if this movie, if the D&D movie does well, and they green light a sequel, they not just will green light a sequel, they'll green light three or four, and then they will have a, an arc, and they, each of those will fall into line. Uh, and you've kind of heard, I, th I think Ghostbusters has learned from that because I heard that they commissioned two more Ghostbusters, two Ghostbusters sequels to go after, to follow Afterlife. And so there is going to be a story there. And so I would hope that whatever they come up with won't just be a second movie and then a third movie because those tend to be bad, but they'll have the, all, all the tie-ins to go in it as well. There's nice. so many more classes and, and the, the game is huge. And it's not just 5e, which I think they've made, I haven't played any other versions, but they made it much more accessible and easy to learn and play than previous versions. Yes. yes. So there's going to be so much more that they can include in other movies to keep it fresh. A new beast, you know, different adventures, different settings. Well, and I'm sure they've learned from what Marvel's done so outrageously successfully. And they've got a base. I'm, I'm going to give you guys some reassurance here. Because the writer and one of the directors for this movie, uh, Jonathan Goldstein, uh, he wrote, he was one of the writers for Spider-Man Homecoming. I like he one. did Horrible Bosses uh, and he did Game Night, which came out in uh, 2018. But he did, he was one of the writers for Spider-Man Homecoming. So right there off the bat, you, you have, I, I have faith in this. And then you have uh, Jonathan Daly. Um, he's known for Bones. Uh, he was one of the, oh my God, I'm trying to think of movies you would know him, but he's, he's the other writer director for it, but he worked on bones, John, uh, John Francis Daly. Um, he did bones. He was a writer on Spider-Man homecoming. Uh, he's done, uh, he was, uh, Lance sweets on bones, sweets on bones. So he's, these are good writers. If they're, you know, homecoming, um, and you got, like I said, you got a solid cast and it looks like they got the budget behind it because tr the first trailer that you always see is you typically never up to par of what the real movie is. If you go back and you look at like the old Jurassic Park trailer, Jurassic World trailers, they upped stuff, they changed things. I mean, heck, they even did it with uh, She-Hulk because there was so much like CGI needs to be fixed. And they went back Being and they, this far they fixed off, they it. They could totally just cancel out that owlbear thing if they wanted to. They have time to go back and fix I, it. I if hope enough not. people hate it. Well, the, the, the I, Rogue I One, not. the Rogue One trailer, the first Rogue One trailer, most of that wasn't even in the movie. There you go. I mean, so yeah, so I they can do they, they can do a lot. Yes, they can do a lot between now and then. Um, but the, the thing with with you know, I don't care what these people's past, what they've done in the past. I mean, it can be a good omen, mm. but if if they want this to be a successful franchise, you know, and Kevin, you were talking a second ago about cinematic universes and expanding. If they want it to be successful as a franchise, they have to have a plan, you know, and, and that, that to me is, is what everybody should have learned from the MCU is that whatever your arc is, two movies, three movies, five movies, whatever, have a plan because that that's why the mcu is successful that's why the harry potter movies the first the first 
one through eight. That's why those movies were successful because you had you had a plan in the in the books about where it was going to go. That's why the Lord of the Rings is the greatest movie trilogy, top to bottom, because because there's a plan because J.R. Tolkien wrote it out, you know, eighty years ago. Um, so I would hope that wh whatever they do with this cast that they can keep the, the, the six principal actors together for whatever this arc is before salaries or something happens and they have to, you know, they start shedding people because then you become, you know, the new Star Trek series, which mm. is now dead in the water. So, so we'll see. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, even then you could have a, a new party you know, a new campaign new yes. party. <laughs> you got a new campaign i love it what, what would be fantastic what would be absolutely fantastic if, <laughs> is if they did three movies and they ended the third movie on a cliffhanger and then the fourth movie comes out and it's the same actors but everybody's different and they're in a different D, &D setting <laughs> oh you're a monster Jumanji. that's what they do with jumanji so, Right. I love so those movies. So instead of being in the forgotten, the first three movies are in the forgotten realms and they end on some cliffhanger, you know, they're, they're, you know, in, they're trying to assassinate the, the Lord of Waterdeep or something like that. And then it ends. And the next movie, Chris Pye, Michelle Rodriguez, uh, Justice Smith, Hugh Grant, they're all still in the same party, but now they're in Dragonlance. Oh my God, that <laughs> would be amazing. That would be awesome. They won't do that. But that would be hilarious. Uh, did you did you see the 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 meme joke about the if they really wanted to make this movie a legitimate Dungeons and Dragons campaign, uh, they stop the movie at like the like a, a middle point, and then they make every, all the the people come back and reschedule to to watch the ending of the movie. <laughs> and, and you and you can't watch the second part until everybody who was in the yeah until everybody's there. Oh my god, that would be I awesome. Was, I was crying laughing at that one uh i'm excited i i'm really excited it, this is i honestly did not expect a d i thought vox machina was going to be the pinnacle for dnd like based cinematography i feel like will. it still is so far until this movie comes out true very good mm. delicious awesome well uh, the, the the success of vox machina the success of critical role and this this is my criticism of Critical Role, is that you have people, number one, who love Dungeons and & Dragons, and, mm. and, and that's great. And I loved, and Matt Mercer is a, fan, is a fabulous dungeon master. But you also have the, the members of Critical Role are world-class voice actors. True. And they really know what they're doing, and they, mm. they have an experience that most people can't replicate. Mm. And so I think on one level, it sets an unrealistic expectation when your dungeon master can't do that but at the same time it also it also is accessible and brings people to the party but you're right for right now uh, legend of Vox machina is is the bar but the bar is also very low because you have dungeons and dragons the book of vile darkness which was awful and you have the old dungeons and dragons cartoon from the 80s i don't know if you've ever watched the old dungeons and dragons cartoon from the 80s it's awesome you can buy it on amazon for like 20 bucks but it's at the same time, it's also pretty bad. But it's, it's so bad. Yes, but it's because it it's an '80s cartoon. But it's it, awesome. you're right. It, it, that's absolutely. It is the 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 pinnacle of of quality product cartoons from the '80s. Sure, but but yeah, but you're right. Vox Machina is, but they all they only existed on Amazon on 
uh, Amazon because they crowdfunded it. True story. You know, the, some no studio threw money at them. Yeah. You know, because they have, you know, I don't want to say well, they, they were no only going to do one episode. They were only going to do like one episode and they got so much money for it. They're like, right. we're going to do a but, series. But, but Critical Role is successful because they don't have a lot of overhead. I mean, they, they have a camera on everyone and they record it and then somebody goes in and edits it. But other than that, it's just a bunch of people sitting around a table playing a game that everybody loves. And that's the cooperative story that's good. Um, I love that know, warm, fuzzy feeling. Right. But this, you know, this movie, if I hope it's successful, you know, I think a lot of people do, um, but it's going to require people to go to the movies or buy it or watch it on whatever the streaming platform they put it on eventually. Um, well, yeah, I'm, but, I'm, I'm already planning for March 3rd, getting okay. as many nerds as I can to dress up fantasy style and go. We will rent out a freaking theater to go see Dungeons and Dragons and just roll dice while we watch <laughs> just roll d20s the entire time because i don't think you i feel like i almost want to treat this movie like a rocky horror picture show like you just have except instead of like when she says you know when they say a toast and everybody throws toast to the tv screen we just have various D references and just do various D things where we roll for initiatives or crit fails or you know seduce you know the the tavern wench if you're the bard or some stupid things like that well, chris I pine would... is definitely gonna hit out a dragon in this movie oh my god if he doesn't i will be so disappointed oh my god it's a big one we're sliding down the, the ledge yes with the, the morbidly obese dragon <laughs> i loved it i freaking loved it i i seriously like there was so many little things i actually i even think uh the horn that they gave is actually from uh, a critical role campaign. I think it's called the the horn of Okana or something like that. It's it's I so I'm actually starting to listen to Critical Role. I'm on I'm starting with season three because I just well, need things to listen to. But well, it's the movie set in the Forgotten Realms. Is it? Yes, and Critical Role because I think I think the bad wizard the bad guys are going to be the red wizards of Thay. Mm. and so and critical role takes place in its own uh in its own universe yeah it's matt mercer's now they could they could right they, they yeah it's matt mercer's homebrew so now they could have some artifacts that that come over horn but, of orcus you know, that's what it is right but you know but they've forgot they've been pushing forgotten realms for a long time that's become mm. their primary setting the the original DD setting became greyhawk um which that was Gary Gygax's setting. And then Dragonlance was the really was the first of the really successful campaign worlds. And that came out in the, in the mid eighties, mm -hmm. um, you know, and there's new Dragonlance coming out, uh, uh, coming out as well. There's a new uh, Tracy Hickman and Margaret Weiss wrote a new Dragonlance book that's supposedly coming out soon or writing one. Um, but the forgotten realms is where they've really been, been, uh, been concentrating. So that kind of makes sense where this movie is going to take place. Mm. Uh, but yeah. we'll see well i'm i'm excited um well we have been going for a little bit so did you guys have any final thoughts before we wrap this up um no? to listeners if you are thinking about playing the game find someone to play with there's a reddit uh looking for group you can find a group you can hop in uh there's so many beginner friendly 
groups. You don't have to know all the rules or be an expert voice actor to start playing. I tried doing an accent my first game and I haven't done one since because it's not necessary. Um, you just put yourself in the shoes of this character that you've created and it's a lot easier than you think. So get in. To, don't worry about embarrassing yourself because we're all nerds that are playing this silly game. And it's, uh, it's worth dipping your toes in. I like that. Kate, did you have any final thoughts? I really hope that they start off with like a bunch of kids like playing D and D, and then it like morphs into the movie. Like I hope it. I hope it's one of those. Or if it like, ends that way, like the that would also Bride, be good. You know, like how, yeah. I, I really hope they do that. Oh, I didn't even think. Maybe like the way Jumanji you. does it. Jumanji was just like so creative in their openings to like how they got there. I love those movies. I hope they make more. I like that I, that is oh, that's really good too. I, really I hope bet they, you they do. Oh man, that would be so great. Uh, anything for you, Dave? Um, yeah, I know, you know, Kevin, you had, you know, you're talking to, to people who have not come into the hobby. Um, I want to talk to the people who've been in it for a long time, okay. because this movie and, you know, Critical Role and, and some of the other products that are out there, some of the other things that we have seen, you know, the video games, um, this is going to bring a lot of people in. And this is going to bring people to the world of role playing uh, whether it's Dungeons and Dragons or some other system. Um, and we, we need to welcome those people and we need to not be assholes about it and not make them feel like they're stupid or how did you not know this? Uh, just because we've been playing since middle school or we've, you know, I have dice that are older than all of you. <laughs> um, and so you know, that, that's something that we need to do, that we need to work on, and we need to welcome people uh, into our hobby and into our space, and we need to encourage them. Um, you know, and that applies, to, that applies to all stripes of nerd, and not just Dungeons and Dragons players. It applies to Star Wars fandom and Star Trek fans and, and all of those as well. But, but mostly, it's, it's a lot of people are going to come in, and it's our job to be welcoming to those folks in a way that people might not have been to us um, because it is hard to learn how to play Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, the system itself, once you learn it, makes a lot of sense, but it's very intimidating because you have people who show up and they've got a giant bowl full of dice and I show up and I've got one set of black and white dice and you know, and, and what do I do? And I don't know. And what do all these stats mean? And why is there a plus here and a minus there? And what does 4D8 mean? What the hell is a D8? You know, <laughs> and, and all of that, it can be very intimidating. Absolutely. And, and for yeah. us who, who have been playing for a while and whether a while is, is four sessions or four months or four years or four decades, um, we need, we need to, to, to extend that hand and we need to bring those people to our table and we need to get them playing um, because the, your D&D experience is not going to be critical role and it's not going to be Chris Pine playing a bard and doing all sorts of crazy stuff, but it's going to be some story that is going to be yours and it's going to be yours and I say yours as the people sitting at that table because it is a shared experience. You can't play Dungeons and Dragons by yourself. Uh, it, it has to be something that is communal, whether it's you and three friends or you and a dozen friends. Um, but, but like I said, that's something that we need to be conscious of and we need to make an effort to welcome people to our hobby because it is wonderful. And, and role-playing games have been in my life 
for for now over 40 years and i i'm probably i want to be that old person at the nursing home who's you know who, who whips out who back in my day i had a player's handbook from 1981 and um and i still want to be playing because because it it brings joy and it brings it also brings sorrow you know if you've ever had a character that you invested in die and oh. realize that 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 character is not coming back because they have done something and they have sacrificed themselves they made a choice uh but it's and it's a way like kevin was talking about that there are no stakes for you personally but if you've been playing that character from level one and now they're level 17 or 18 or 22 or whatever it is and maybe not everybody's coming out and and that's just it's a wonderful experience uh, and like i said we, we need to welcome folks to that dude that is well said well 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 said i honestly i'm not even gonna follow up with anything behind that because dude you that could. is like i'm just gonna shut up there because it was just that great um so i'm gonna say let's go ahead and let's wrap this up as always please like subscribe and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts and if you are listening to us on apple or spotify please remember to rate and review we love we crave we desire we need those rates and those reviews. Uh, so please post them up. We can only get better that way. Uh, we're also on Instagram and Facebook. So please like and follow us at DNA Pod or on Twitter at NerdDNAPod or on our webpage, www.nerddnapod.com. I've been your host, Steve Pugh, and I have been joined by my sometimes murder hobos, sometimes tabaxi uh, troublemakers, and sometimes just go with the flow barbarians um kate kevin and david ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for being oh, here tonight oh, Steve? oh what up have i mentioned that i'm going to black and start i knew it there it was thank you and good night